Hi, everyone. I'm Jill Schlesinger, and you're listening to The Jill on Money Show. I'm very proud and honored to present you today's show, which is part of Dell Technologies Small Business Podference. Small businesses are grappling with the impact of these uncertain times and looking for resources. That's why Dell Technologies assembled an all-star lineup of podcasters to create the first-ever virtual conference to share advice and inspiration for small businesses. That's what I'm here to help with today, and I hope that you find this episode both inspiring and useful as we all work together to rebuild the heart of our country, which is small businesses. Dell is here to help you through these times. Dell Technologies Advisors are here to help you navigate remote working essentials and recommends Windows 10 Pro for business. To find more of this content, search Dell Technologies Small Business Podference on Radio.com, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts at the end of this episode. Okay, we are delighted because we have a super duper star appearance today, a guest star. Kathy Craninger is the director of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and she's held that role for not that long a time. And boy, Kathy, you've got some serious bad timing on taking over, huh? Well, it's been about a year and a half. So at least I've had some experience under my belt with an incredibly capable staff. Uh, but yes, the current pandemic and the economic impacts uh, are really affecting uh, all of us across the nation and, and certainly some of the most vulnerable more than others and, and glad to be serving during this critical time. Now, you have a background, which is kind of interesting. And I was wondering what you think about your bio made you the right choice to be the second full-time a permanent director of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Well, Jill, it was really my experience in government management and administration, uh, all of the uh, capabilities of bringing together different agencies, different expertise. The time with the CFPB, of, of course, it was stood up during uh, the financial crisis and the aftermath of the financial crisis. And so it's really a, a startup. So that transition to being a mature, uh, well-functioning, uh, fully functioning government agency is what the administration saw in me is the capability to lead that and continue to evolve and progress our transition uh, as a mature agency. Now, you have like sort of this widely broad mandate at CFPB, which I should note is sort of the brainchild of Elizabeth Warren, as you said, hatched out of the financial crisis of 2008 and 2009. So what is it in general? What's the mission of CFPB? It is to protect consumers in the financial marketplace. And so how consumers interact with credit cards and mortgages and student loans uh, and it's it's really a few things that we do that are how we achieve that mission. Uh, first and foremost, everything starts with the consumer. So educating consumers about uh, the choices they have, uh, the considerations they should take into account uh, as they're making decisions in their finances. And that's where you come in, Jill, doing such a fantastic job of highlighting our products. It's also interacting with industry and all stakeholders to understand how we support competition and proper functioning of those marketplaces so that consumers have access to responsible products. 
And, and finally, we've got a backstop. In addition to our oversight of the operations of the market, we take enforcement action against those who are bad actors that are harming consumers and harming competition. I think let's just do that because I've just gotten a slew of emails about scams that are out there. So I want to kind of work backwards because if we're going to protect people, um, we've been getting emails from folks who say that there are scams about they're worried about their older relatives, but also it seems like a lot of small businesses are really having a trouble getting through to the banks to access the SBA programs. They too are seeing scams. I know it's so depressing to start with this, but can we just talk a little bit about why we all need to be a, a little bit more on alert right now. Uh, absolutely. And, and you are incredibly uh, accurate in that. Uh, any situation that we see in the marketplace, of course, scammers take full advantage of that. And so uh, I see the coronavirus uh, as another hook where scammers are trying to you know, get personal information from consumers, particularly vulnerable consumers who feel isolated right now. Uh, and that is is certainly affecting uh, older Americans, as you mentioned, in particular, our ability to make sure that they have uh, the right information that they know, you know, an, an email from the White House or the Centers for Disease Control or the World Health Organization that says, hit this link and see the steps to take. Uh, it's unfortunate, but that's the kind of thing that scam artists are doing. You know, you hit the link and you're in the midst now of, of downloading malware or um, otherwise getting phone calls that say, you know, give me your information so you can get your check from the IRS. The government is never going to ask you for that personal information uh, by contacting you by phone or email. Uh, so everyone really needs to hear that message. Yeah, indeed. Um, let's talk a little bit about the people who are really directly impacted by the virus in terms of their financial lives. And the way that I got in touch with you is that I went on CBS this morning and I talked about this tool that I thought you guys had put up, which is fantastic, which is essentially a way to figure out what are the most important bills that you need to pay. I'm wondering if you are someone impacted by the scam or a small business owner, can you talk about some of the relief options that you see? For example, let's say I'm, I think we got a lot of people who are small business owners who say, you know, I don't want to go refinance my house, pour the money into my small business. What are some of the options for people who have big mortgages out there and they just can't pay it right now? Yeah, thank you for highlighting that because, you know, truly there are people who are who are affected either by a loss of income uh, or a loss of a job. Uh, if they're not affected by, by the healthcare um, dynamics itself and, and actually being ill with the pandemic, the economic impacts are, are significant. Congress uh, and the government uh, have provided new programs, new relief uh, that we've got great information on our website about at consumerfinance.gov, as you pointed out. And I know you'll provide the links to your listeners here. All you have to do is uh, contact your mortgage servicer if you're talking about mortgage relief and make sure that you've got the right information about you know, who your servicer is, who backs your loan? All the mortgage servicers are providing relief uh, when consumers say, hey, I'm, I've been affected by this, had a loss of income that I did not expect and, and that is due to coronavirus, and they'll work with you. Uh, if you have a federally backed mortgage, uh, you are entitled under law uh, of up to 180 days of forbearance, which means just a, a hold on payment 
uh, and they'll work with you. I, look, the one thing that is important for people to understand is if they have some ability to pay, it will be beneficial to them to pay. Um, interest will still accrue. And, and so that's why you need to talk to your servicer and work out details. And I guess the last thing, uh, Jill, I would mention is if you have any problems reaching your servicer or, or getting the right outcome for you, contact the CFPB. We've got a complaint system. Uh, we will step in and assist you in getting uh, relief from your service providers and make sure they're following the law. Um, so many of them are trying to, but they're also affected by this crisis. And so we are, we are here uh, to support consumers during this time. Now, if you don't have a mortgage that's backed by the federal government, not a Fannie, a Freddie, or a HUD, I saw a note from the FDIC that sort of said, hey, listen, everyone else out there, we want you to work with your borrowers. Is that happening? Yes, uh, it is definitely happening. Uh, we hear it from consumer advocate groups. Uh, we hear it from the uh, banks and other financial uh, institutions that are supporting consumers. But it's also a challenging time. As I noted, they, their operations are impacted. People do make mistakes. Uh, so the relief is there. Uh, there are a lot of different things that they can work out with you, even under you know, current law and current rules uh, before the CARES Act was passed. Uh, there are options in the loss mitigation space for people to come forward and work with their creditors and lenders. Uh, so that's what's happening now. Uh, it does have to be catered to each individual's circumstances. Uh, in many cases, you absolutely should get some relief. What happens if, you know, you go out, you ask for relief, whether it's a mortgage, it's your landlord, a credit card, because credit card companies I know are also offering some relief from fees and penalties. Is that going to negatively impact someone's credit? Because a lot of people are saying, you know, I don't want to have to go back out and, you know, sort of climb out of the hole again. I was at 650. I finally got to 800 and now I'm going to scared. I'm going back. What's the impact on your credit score and the credit reporting part of this? So I can tell you, Jill, that's one lesson that we absolutely uh, learned if we didn't know it before the financial crisis. And so we are way ahead of this problem in terms of credit reporting and making sure that the credit reporting system maintains its accuracy, uh, but making sure that furnishers, which is those creditors or lenders, that they're sending the right codes and right information to credit reporting agencies about how to characterize the accommodation that they made with the consumer. We are working through that absolutely. Um, it is the case that frankly, post any disaster, there are uh, accommodations that can be made and that they are taken into account in the credit report and therefore don't have an impact on, on an individual's credit. I will tell you the CFPB is working uh, very hard to make sure we again maintain that accuracy and that you know, there's a balance here with respect to what, what impact should happen or should not happen. Uh, and we're, we're really thinking hard and working hard on, on that aspect because we take the point. We don't want people detrimentally affected uh, with a what hopefully is a, a very short-term impact for many. This is Jill on Money. We'll get back to our interview with Kathy Craninger, the head of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, in just a second. As I mentioned earlier, this episode is just one of many podcasts included in the Small Business Podference presented by Dell Technologies, a podcast conference to get inspiration on topics like fundraising, building teams, 
or managing a business in our current environment from top podcasts like Against the Rules with Michael Lewis, Rise with Rachel Hollis, and Ear Biscuits with Rhett and Link. For the complete lineup of episodes, visit DellTechnologiesPodference.com. And now, back to our interview with Kathy Craninger of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Kathy, when you kind of look back, you know, 12 years ago, you were sort of in the soup at that time during the financial crisis. What lessons did we learn from 2008 and 2009 that helped us in our response to this COVID crisis? I will say the circumstances of this crisis, obviously, with the underlying strength of the economy are very different. Capital liquidity requirements that are significantly different uh, across the industry. Uh, But there are different players and a different mix of players in the financial services space that are giving consumers choice, but also have different underlying requirements. I'll just say, you know, bank and non-bank players in financial services and and what roles they play and what services they provide. It is a different dynamic. Um, The CFPB is here, at least with respect to consumer protection requirements, regulating both. Uh, And so that's something that we are maintaining, uh, making sure that we have clear requirements for those players in the space. You know, we're on the watch there. I, I guess in terms of other other uh, lessons learned, we are here now paying very close attention to those interactions with consumers, providing clear information about the kinds of questions consumers can ask and should ask. And the institutions know that. There are many responsible institutions that, that were out way ahead of even government action in, in terms of Uh, responding to consumers who needed accommodation. But we are backing that up and we are watching. I'm wondering when we take a good hard look at where we are in this crisis and, you know, you say we hope that things get better, but obviously we have no idea where this is going. What's the message that you want consumers to understand about how to navigate their own financial process right now? Uh, it's something I'm, I've actually heard quite frequently. Um, it's, you know, plan for the worst um, and hope for the best. And it really is thinking through uh, your own situation, uh, your spending habits, uh, which I, for all of us are significantly curtailed uh, and, and certainly redirected to different activities than uh, on the discretionary side than things we otherwise would be paying for. Uh, but really thinking about that where you are in terms of your income right now and and how that might change. And recognize, too, that the government agencies and and government as a whole are really assessing this day by day. Uh, As we watch what's happening and how the industry and, and the markets and the economy are responding, we are looking to provide relief. And so I think that payment protection program is a a huge, uh, massive undertaking to maintain employment and to help people, again, maintain income. We've got the increased unemployment payments that are going out, again, to try to increase and, and maintain income for, for individuals. So there is help. There is assistance. Reprieves on, on bills uh, where you need that help. Uh, that's also incredibly uh, important opportunity for people if they're, if they're struggling we know that there, for some, are going to be some long time, long term implications, uh, regardless of how long this goes. Uh, so it's something that we're regularly assessing and, and looking to address appropriately. 
How concerned are you that, you know, we've got 30 million small businesses that uh, really need access to capital? And how concerned are you that we're just going to lose a chunk of the nation's small businesses? That would be a, a truly significant concern. And it's something, again, I'm not alone. Um, I know Secretary Mnuchin is out there constantly uh, very concerned about that. Look, small businesses are a huge part of our economy. They're a huge part of the employment base. And keeping those small businesses going, or I guess I could say ready for stepped up recovery uh, over time is, is a hugely important thing. And we all recognize that. And we're working to make sure that small businesses have uh, the information that they need, the, the uh, capabilities they need to make sure that they can come back. And I will say that the comeback will be different. Secretary Mnuchin said that it's not a guarantee that every organization will come back the same way, but, but it is important to maintain that base. That's where our entrepreneurs are. That's where our innovation is. That is the, the lifeblood of our economy. And so it's a, it's a huge part. And, and we are here to support those small businesses. It's just, it's so heartbreaking. You know, I hear from these folks and they just, you know, there's frustration. And then I call the banks and the banks blame the government. And then the government says, no, it's the banks. And so it's a lot of finger pointing here. Is there any any idea about what the bottleneck was? Was it just sheer volume and the program just began very quickly? What, what, what do you think the bottleneck was? It really is a massive undertaking. I mean, $350 billion is the biggest program SBA has ever run by far. And it was stood up and and taking applications and actually pushing money out the door, uh, I believe, within 10 days. I mean, that is, that is uh, frankly, a tremendous, uh, a massive success, as I think uh, history will look back on it. So look, that's going to be huge. You've got over 4,000 lenders, uh, many of whom have never worked with SBA and SBA programs. Um, so yes, there are, there are absolutely hiccups in that. There are challenges in that that are uh, natural but overcomable. And, and frankly, I think there's, there's really a, a Herculean effort that's been happening there at SBA and, and frankly, at all the lending institutions. I recognize that every day and every hour matters, the uncertainty and, and questions that people have. Uh, but please know that uh, there are people working hard to answer those questions, uh, to triage that, to be as transparent and responsive as possible. Uh, SBA put out the numbers in terms of you know, where the loans have gone and the administration seeking more funding from Congress for this program. It, it truly is essential. And I think, you know, there, there are still things to, to work out for sure, uh, but a lot of progress is made and people are being helped. Yeah. I, I mean, I look, I certainly think that we absolutely have to really be pushing these institutions. And unfortunately, it's almost like every process in dealing with lending, it's onerous. But I, I want to remind small business owners, I was a small business owner 100 years ago. And you know what? It stinks that you're going through this, but please don't be dissuaded because there are programs that can help you. And I think that to me is huge. All right. Before I let you get back to saving the world, what else do I need to know? What do our listeners listeners need to know about going through this period and what are you binge watching? <laughs> uh, I'm not having a whole lot of time for binge watching, but but I definitely have my Netflix account, uh, at least on the background, sometimes as a good distraction. 
I will say what else people need to know is, is there are still people and there are aspects of the economy that were readily adaptable to more telework. Um, certainly the government uh, employees are continuing to work. And so it's important for those of us who have maintained income to pay our bills, to um, you know, continue to uh, engage and, and think about our finances and take the right steps. There are things that are going to come back in the economy. Clearly, you know, people are watching investments and, and, and concerned about that, but it's an impact that everyone's feeling and giving the healthcare situation a chance to, to, you know, the public health system to work through some very significant challenges there and, and get us to the other side. I think the economic uh, recovery will, will happen when we can get some more assurance on the public health side. So I think there's, there's a, a, a great opportunity for uh, all of us to, to have that patience that you were just talking about, but thinking about our own finances, taking the time if we have the time or, or looking at our, our uh, debt picture, as you pointed out too, we've got great tools at consumerfinance.gov. If you have the time and the wherewithal to, to be assessing your finances, now is a good time to do it. Kathy Craninger, Director of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, I really want to thank you for joining us. Uh, I wish you good health, practice your social distancing, and again, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Jill. It's a pleasure to be here, and I wish you health and, and safety as well. Thank you for doing this. 